0: It's time for episode 526 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, October 25th, 2023. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes.
1: Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that hands out USB C cables for Halloween. I am one of your spooky hosts, Micah. sergeant and i am joined across the internet by my good pal and my dungeon buddy because we play dungeons and dragons online together it's dan the ghoul morin hi dan
0: hi mike i would have gone with dan the boogeyman morin but you know that's oh just me. that's good thanks well that's, that's why you're the writer <laughs> <laughs> i just want to know that we're handing out good USB C cables and not those crappy like power only cables come on Let's not be the I, house that gives out the power-only cables. Nobody likes them.
1: Yeah, ours actually, not only are they the better ones, they have the necessary markings uh, screen printed onto the cable so you know that they are the right ones. I'm imagining we only hand out the best. a kid going, like, pulling out a thing,
0: Thunderbolt 4 cables, this is the best house <laughs> ever.
1: <laughs>
2: They're giving out full-size thunderbolt. Full-size
1: full size thunderbolts, full size cables. Exactly. We don't hand out. We hand out king size thunderbolt cables. Actually. <laughs> uh, but, all right. Let us get around to introducing uh, the guests at this cobweb covered table. To my left is the editor in chief of No Jitter and the program co chair of Enterprise Connect. It's Lisa. I'm trying to think of something spooky, but I can't think of anything fast enough. Schmeiser, <laughs> welcome back to the show, Lisa.
2: What up, witches? (laughs) (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Let the record show we're actually the house that hands out full-size candy bars on Oh my God. I'm trick-or-treating in your neighborhood, Lisa. The urban legends are true. (laughs) (laughs)
0: And to my left this week, it's one of the founders and partners of Lickability and host of Absolutely Crushed. It's Matthew Bischoff. (laughs) Bischoff. How's it going?
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I uh,
1: couldn't get them all. Uh, Well, um, while we contemplate this spooky, spooky day, I will go ahead and kick things off uh, by asking you all the first of four questions in just 30 minutes. Uh, Would you use an all-in-one messaging app that brings together your iMessage conversations, your Slack messages, your Instagram DMs and more? I was uh, inspired to ask this question because we heard that Automatic, uh, the WordPress folks have acquired uh, texts, which actually was first introduced to me by Matthew. Uh, But Lisa, we'll start with you.
2: This is a hard question to answer. And the reason I say that is because I have a policy of kind of siloing out my professional digital sphere from my more personal one. And Mm. while I can see the tremendous convenience of having an all-in-one app so um, I can get my teams notifications from work and i can get slack notifications from freelancers and i can get texts from my kid um at the same time i'm not sure i want that all in one place because it's kind of like crossing the streams or feeling like you're never really off so it's a qualified maybe
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know my my initial thought was like yeah i mean this would be convenient but I'm concerned about using a third party to access my messages and all these various services. And especially when it comes to iMessage, which of course is end to end encrypted, the systems often used to do this are maybe sketchy, is putting it too far, but like a little questionable. I mean, Apple does not provide a way to do this that's sort of a blessed way to access iMessage via a third party. So you've got to find a workaround. And I always. I'm a little wary of giving my credentials to any service that's going to use that as a workaround because I really, you know, that's critical stuff. And then, uh, you know, as Lisa was talking about uh, mixing all these things together, I had this moment of pausing. It's not even the siloing for me so much. as like, I don't know. Do I really need this? Like, I find the system works fine right now. I mean, I think part of it for me is that I have very few places where I'm really active in terms of messaging. Like, it's basically iMessage and Slack DMs. That's like 90% of my private messaging. Um, And I'm okay with them being in separate places. I can kind of navigate that pretty easily. And I don't know that it would actually hugely improve my life if this really was just in a single place. Um, I just, I mean, my simplification method is I just don't check DMs in a lot of those places. So, like, if you're sending me Facebook messages or Instagram messages or whatever, like, sorry, Stop. I mean, I just I'm not there. I'm not there. That's not that's not my problem. So, you know, I, I think there I can see the advantage to having all that in one place. But for me, you know, I already go and get my email and I go and do my stuff in Slack and whatever. And I'm okay with being sort of multimodal in that regard. Matthew? I would
3: love this. I've tried them all. I tried texts. I bounced off of it after a few weeks. I tried beeper. I had similar security concerns about that, uh, that you did, Dan. And so nothing has stuck. But I, if this was if I could wave a magic wand, and this was built into the operating system, you know, in a way that they sort of have edged towards by by creating special uh, push notification categories for messages and allowing uh, you to message via Siri with all these platforms. If this was built into the OS, like like it was sort of back in the iChat days when you could use Aim or Jabber, then I would use this constantly. But I think all the stuff out there that's existing right now just isn't quite good enough.
1: Yeah, I'm with everyone in terms of of, I just feel like this is all very hacky and I don't like that aspect of it. If when I go to add my Instagram account and it's going, hey, you might get notifications from Instagram saying that you've been logged in from uh, a new place that is, uh, you know, maybe a reason to set up new security on your account or whatever. I'm not feeling too good about that. And if we've got to go through all of these weird means to make it happen, then it's really not supposed to happen in the first place. And therefore, I can't rely on it. And that's what I would need to be able to have one of these systems. I want something like this because I do actually think I would use this. Um, Part of the problem is I exist on a generational cusp. I have friends who are messaging me from my preferred locations, like iMessage and, uh, you know, all of the other classic means of communication, but then I have other friends who are, uh, on the other side of the generational, um, divide who are, you know, messaging me on, on Snapchat and, and all of the other places that I don't like to use. And so it would be nice, uh, if I could have those all in one place, um, while still maintaining some level of silo as Lisa was talking about with, you know, work stuff. I appreciate that you said classic modes of
0: communication, because I pictured you getting an old-timey phone call. Operator! Operator! (laughs) Give me Lexington
1: 247. Oh, no. People know not to call me. They'll never get an answer. Um, Let us move along (laughs) to Lisa, who has our next topic.
2: Well, one of the persistent, um, digital frustrations of my life is that I have a very robust personal calendar in Google Cal, which syncs up with, you know, Apple's calendaring function and at work, I have to use Outlook and I do actually have all of my calendars open to, to make sure I'm not missing anything, um, It vexes me. Oh, how it vexes me that I haven't been able to find a solution where they're all in one place and I can feed multiple sources and have one calendar that tells me everything at once. What I'd like to know is, would any or all of you use any type of all-in-one calendaring app or service that would let you integrate all of your personal and professional calendars while letting them stay data siloed? I use
0: Fantastical, which lets me bring all my Google calendars. And if I had any iCloud calendars in into it, I believe it supports Microsoft 365. I'm not sure if that means it supports the Outlook or team calendar or not. But uh, in theory, it's very good at this. And it allows for things like creating calendar sets. So you can set like a work set of calendars and a personal set of calendars and then a merge set that shows you everything, which is great. Um, the best part for me is I often have multiple calendars that have the same thing on them, um, because, for example, for our live shows over at the Incomparable, we have a calendar and uh, to keep track of what's going on the air. But we also have an internal calendar that tells us like when shows are, uh, you know, scheduled. And sometimes the same events is on both. And in Apple's calendar apps. <laughs> It just shows multiple copies of the same event, which is annoying because they get smaller and smaller. That drives
2: me bonkers. Fantastic Cal
0: just overlays them. It's like you've got one event It's on multiple calendars. Great, I love Perfect. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Fantastic Cal is honestly the solution for me, so that I, I honestly don't even think about this. So that's that's my answer. Is Fantastic Cal, Matthew. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Unlike unlike you, Dan, I am
3: wall-to-wall calendared. I am a calendar fiend. I have uh, I have a mug in my apartment that my friend gave me that um, is a tweet I tweeted many years ago that just says, I have 28 calendars. Um, I, it's more than that now. So I need and use Fantastical. This is not sponsored by Fantastical that I know of, but I, I will also sing its praises. I use it everywhere. I use it on my watch. I use it on my Mac. I use it on my phone and my iPad. And It's like such a dream to be able to use those calendar sets to see like, okay, here's my work, here's my home calendars, here's my partner's calendars, overlay them in these ways. And then the next level of that is once you get into focus modes and focus filters, you can say, when I'm at work, show me this calendar set. When I'm on the weekend, hide all that work stuff automatically. And so um, I love using Fantastical at its max capacity to uh, to live a, a highly calendared life not sponsored
1: by but should be sponsored by Fantastical. <laughs> I also use Fantastical. Oh my um, gosh. Yes. So the same thing applies. I have a set of, I have what I call my main calendars and that actually has a one calendar that is my from my work uh, set of of calendars that shows on the main, and that is because it is the shows that I'm on for work. Um, and then all of my personal calendars are on that main, except for a few that I only use in rare occasions. And then I've got my work set of calendars that has all of the work stuff. Uh, and then I have a third one that's events and birthdays. And I also have those focus filters set up that Matthew was talking about, where when I'm at work, it switches to that work calendar mode and I can see the the stuff there. And then when I'm not at work, it shows me my main set of calendars. Um, I would not know what, To do where to be, how to live without Fantastical, frankly. Um, And so, yeah, I think I do kind of do this uh, already. And I noticed that someone in the chat said uh, that they do use Fantastical with Outlook Exchange calendars as well. So, apparently, it is possible. Um, Lisa, why don't you round us out here?
2: I'm going to round you up by asking some more questions about Fantastical, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome Uh, to Fantastical, Fantastical user group. (laughs) (laughs) And The reason I'm asking is in both my personal calendaring and with my work calendar, a lot of the times I have a lot of shared calendars. For example, I run a Girl Scout troop. We now have like 30 kids. We have a shared calendar so everybody can see what's coming up with that and other co-leaders can can join in. We, of course, have a shared family calendar because who doesn't? But at work, I'm largely – I'm also responsible – And one thing I'm really curious about, if you guys can answer, is I use Outlook a lot to find free spots in other people's schedules, set up and and set up meetings, set up quick one-on-ones, things like that. Does Fantastical allow you to um, coordinate with other folks over it, or is it mostly is its strength mostly in giving you a one-stop shop for your own time commitments and an ability to filter them according to context and need?
1: So Fantastical has its own thing for uh, it's called openings for doing that exact thing that you were talking about. I have never used it because I don't need it personally, but I don't know if it integrates with the openings kind of system that other calendar applications or other calendar services, I guess I should say, uh, already have.
3: In my work at Likability, I'm often scheduling meetings across
1: people at my organization and other
3: organizations. And so this is really an important feature for me to be able to see like, OK, is this person at this other company available if they have their free, busy set up? Uh, the way to do that in Fantastical is with their availability window. It's command shift A. You can click any event and see other people's availability. And when you're inviting folks to events, um, if their availability is shared, you'll see a little green check if they're available or uh, a red X if they're booked.
2: Oh wow, this is fantastic. Well, it's Fantastic How. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to ask about is I'm I'm frantically scrolling through some of the how to's. Does it integrate with Google Calendar? Yes. 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 I use oh, I use Google Calendar for gosh. all
0: my shared calendars and that's basically oh, one my of the reasons. Gosh. I, I am it.
2: so so glad I asked this question on clockwise. <gasps> I'm <laughs> gonna block out time this weekend to play with Fantastic L. Put it in oh, Fantastic L though, Lisa. Guys, thank you so much. You you may have just given me the solution to a persistent digital ecosystem issue. That's what the show is
0: for. Solving problems. Solving problems, (laughs) bringing people together.
1: (laughs) Oh, I love it. And how spooky to have the format of the show broken so close to Halloween. Um, Let's head into our halftime um, while we recalibrate here. And uh, Lisa continues to read about Fantastic Fantastical. <laughs> um, if you head to clockwise.social slash shirt, you can check out the Clockwise tee, which is decidedly not spooky, but still very, very cool because it comes from the fine folks at Cotton Bureau. You can count on having a very soft and resilient t-shirt. I've had Cotton Bureau tees that have lasted me years and years. Uh, and you or Clockwise T can join the crew there. Uh, it comes in many, many colors and many, many sizes, many, many uh, types of, of apparel, and you should definitely check it out. And when you do so, uh, you are actually helping to support uh, the show and support uh, the work that Dan and I do each and every week to bring you these episodes. So please consider grabbing one of those shirts at shirt. All right, moving right along. We are back from halftime, and that means it's time for Dan's topic. All right, pass keys are becoming more and more commonplace this
0: week. Amazon announced that they would offer a pass key login to their site. I want to know if you've spent time setting up pass keys. If so, why? And if not, why not? And uh, as a second part of that, How do you, if you do, sell non-tech savvy friends or family on using pass keys? How do you sort of say like this? Here, do this thing. I want to know what your pitch is. Matthew, let's start with you.
3: Yeah, this is perfect timing because just about two weekends ago, I blocked out some time on Fantastical to set up a bunch of pass keys. Um, And the way I did this was in 1Password, there is a feature called Watchtower, which will tell you Uh, which services that you already have logins for have passkey support. And there was like 40 of them in there. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to do all 40 right now. But I did uh, some of the big ones. Google, Amazon, Adobe, Yahoo, Shopify, GitHub, Robinhood, DocuSign, CVS. All have been moved over to passkeys for me. And I still have 31 uh, left to go. If you're not a 1Password user, you can also go to passkeys.directory, which they run and basically use that feature for free and just see which websites and apps have adopted passkeys um and i've been loving it so far no issues i think you have to be on the the beta of one password to store them in one password but uh you can also just use the built-in support in mac os and ios um and chrome as well uh how do i sell people on passkeys more than trying to sell friends and family on passkeys i have been in the position of having to sell clients because we build apps and oftentimes folks uh come to us and say, hey, how should we do login? Should we do social sign-in? Should we do sign-in with Apple? Should we do username and password, passkeys, magic links? There's so many options when you're building a, a service of how to how to do things. And I think it's now getting to the point where the next person who asks, I'm gonna make a hard sell for pass keys. And the sell is look, you want people to be able to get into your service without thinking about it. Sign up as quickly as possible. Uh, never forget their password and that's what passkeys allow a secure way to sign in when you can basically never lose the key uh and 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 never mess it up um and i think it's one of the coolest authentication technologies to come out um since i've been in tech really really excited about it
1: i have set up passkeys in places where i can and many of the places where i can um also, like Matthew, and that seeing all the places that it can be done i haven 't gone through and done all of them, but what was shocking to me was how swift. It can be. I set the Swift. set them up for my <laughs> my Google accounts. And it uh, when I when I got my new phone, my my iPhone 15, and I uh, was coming, you know, from the old one, time to log in again. And because I had set up pass keys, I just looked at my phone and it logged me into my Gmail accounts or my my different Google accounts, and I thought, wow, this is amazing. This truly is what it said it was going to be. And And it was... I think that alone, being able to show somebody that and to tell them that their password no longer has to be the I forgot my password link, which is what a lot of people's password is uh, these days. um, I think that's going to be game changing. And so, yeah, I think that I'm very close to being able to start advocating for it. I just need to make sure that I see the different ways that it can go wrong and go right in order to be able to do that. Uh, Lisa, what are your thoughts?
2: The most tech support I do are for the two septuagenarians I live with. I don't think I'm ready to evangelize past keys to them yet. That said, I like them for me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I like the frictionless aspect. And I do think biometric security is a great way to sidestep a lot of really common security hazards. So the answer is, if the question is, how would I evangelize it? I wouldn't right now. I would probably wait until I have identified all the ways I can screw up. And then then I'd keep that in mind if, um, you know, dealing with my mom or my stepfather or my in-laws or anybody else who's – the the, the website says we have to do this now, so – I'm all for the technology. I think it's great. I think that for the folks on this podcast or the folks who are listening to this podcast, there's probably not a need to sell it like you did Fantastical. <laughs> but um, I still think there might be a little bit of a gap between the people who are using it now and can enumerate the advantages where it's fast, it's frictionless. There's there's a level of security that didn't used to be there. And for lack of a better word, civilians who, who are like, is this a thing I have to keep track of? Oh, so so, so that's where we are. Ask me again in a year. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Pasky's. I've been very excited for them ever since Apple first announced it would be supporting them a couple of years ago. I think the thing, the, the biggest thing holding people back right now and the biggest thing to Lisa's point that's holding me back from evangelizing it to others is that the experience across different websites is not yet really standard. Um, all of the sites feel like they have slightly different ways of dealing with it, and it's getting better, and mm-hmm. I think they will t- continue to improve as we sort of codify this is what the passkey experience is. I mean, you know, to a certain degree with passwords, that's always been a problem, right? Like, sometimes you put in your username and your password in one form. Sometimes you put in your username, then go to the next form, and then you have to put in your password. Sometimes you have a 2FA code. Sometimes you get a text code, right? Like, it was a bit of a mess. I mean, 12 a special mess. characters, yeah, four exactly. uppercase, two lowercase. <laughs> if anything, passkey This is the argument for PassKeys being more intuitive, right? Is that we've trained ourselves to jump through all those hoops. But when you step back and look at it, you're like, that system is ridiculous. Um, So I am very bullish on PassKeys. I did have the opportunity to um, (laughs) proselytize for them on a radio segment I do weekly. uh, And uh, the biggest advantage I've been able to use to sell them is like, just recently, there was a big uh, data uh, breach at 23andMe. Uh, And Mm -hmm. it it seems to have turned out that most of that was from passwords, uh, like username and password combos that were available on the web that were for other services. But because people use the same password, they just brute forced and went through them and, and accessed a ton of accounts. And... That's just fundamentally not possible with passkeys, which is the best argument for it. It's like, hey, maybe we shouldn't have all these com- companies in charge of holding on to all your password information so they can get leaked because that's not great. So uh, the security aspect uh, for me is the thing that is, is encouraging me to sell about. I will thank Matthew. I did not know about the one password uh, watchtower feature that would show me all the passkey stuff. And I will, I've now put this on my list of things I'm going to go do and make sure I have all my passkeys enabled. <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Thank you all for your uh, thoughts on that. Let's go to our last topic, which comes from Matthew.
3: Yeah. So uh, this week, Apple announced their scary fast event. Uh, It's going to be in the evening, which is sort of weird, on October 30th, day before Halloween. Um, I'm just wondering what you're hoping to see. It can be
1: realistic or it can just be a pie in the sky. I don't know how pie in the sky it is versus realistic, but let's see some M3. Uh, mm. there's, there's talk that this could be still an M2 event. Um, for folks listening who are going, what is, what are these letters? Uh, Apple Silicon is currently on its M2 chip generation. And, uh, the next obviously would be M3. And we've heard that that might not happen until next year. But if Apple is hosting an event, uh, for the Mac. And we've already got M2s out in the wild in so many configurations. Surely this is an opportunity to just go ahead and bump that up a number and show us the latest, greatest, especially hot on the heels of that Snapdragon Summit conference where Snapdragon was uh, showing that their chips at low power um, at, at a lower power than um, what Apple Silicon has, is able to outperform Apple Silicon, um, yeah, I think it could be time for Apple to clap back by showing what they're doing, by showing what it's doing with M3. So yeah, anything M3 is, is my expectation uh, and hope uh, to see. Lisa, what about you?
2: MacBook Pro, MacBook Pro. <laughs> No I want to see souped up MacBook Pros and uh if we can get a uh, sixteen inch for folks who like a big screen um where it's also super fast, that would be exciting um especially since i'm you you guys know i know i mostly cover enterprise technology and collaborative communications and workplace setups within the enterprise um I think a sixteen inch macbook uh pro especially one with um m p three chips would be a huge game changer for hybrid workers because you'd have just a lovely amount of screen real estate and it'd be easy to feel like you have a legit work set up when you're, you know, hunched over whatever little um hot desk they're making you share or you're traveling or you're in your home setup.
0: So I I've got maybe here's my hot take. <clears throat> Here is what I want to see more than anything at the event. I I don't care about the iMac. I used to be an iMac user. I replaced with a Mac Mini Studio Display this year because Apple didn't come out with a Pro variant. That would be nice. I'm not a MacBook Pro user. I've been a MacBook Air user basically since it was introduced. So uh, I'm glad that they might do these pros, but it's not a thing for me. What I do need, however, is to replace my aging magic keyboard and magic trackpad with vi- versions that use USB-C because i'm getting lightning out of my house <laughs> one way or another oh, so i really man. need i have an older version of the the magic keyboard that i kept when i got my mac mini uh and it doesn't have touch id which i definitely miss because i have it on my macbook air Uh, and it, um, you know, it's still using lightning. It's a little banged up. So I could, I I like the keyboard a lot. I just would like a newer version of it. Uh, however, what they do need to do, and I'm crossing my fingers for this is return to me the inverted T arrow key layout that is on every other Apple keyboard, including the magic keyboard, I think, uh, uh, for the, uh, for the iPad, but for some reason is not on their standalone keyboard. So I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that a USB-C version with Touch ID and an inverted T arrow is there because I'm just, I'm ready to snap it up. Uh, and I'm hopeful that the introduction to IMAX will mean new USB-C peripherals as well. And then I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for it. Matthew, why don't you wrap us up here? I hope that comes true for you, Dan.
3: Um, I'm also looking forward to MacBook Pros. I've been holding out on upgrading. I I still have one of the original M1s uh, with the touch bar, and I I really want to upgrade my MacBook Pro. But specifically, I'm hoping that the rumors are true that we get a black version of it. I had the black MacBook in high school, I happily paid the cool color tax at the time <laughs> where you just had to pay more because it was black. And that's, that's really uh, what I'd like to see. My stretch goals would be that I hope that they ship the double tap for Apple watch series nine. Cause I want to play with that. And, um, the journal app for iOS, which we haven't heard much about since yes. WWDC.
1: Oh, I forgot about that. Yes, absolutely that. Um, folks, that brings us nearly to the end of this episode of Clockwise, but I've got a bonus topic for you. Uh, if you did celebrate Halloween growing up, do you remember the candy you were most excited about receiving? Lisa, we'll start with you.
2: Oh, I'm a weirdo. I loved getting Almond Joy and Mounds.
0: Oh, man, um, for me, uh, uh, mint stuff, I still like it. Like a York peppermint, peppermint patty or junior mint. That is, Ooh. I love junior mints. Yeah. Uh, My answer is mallow cups. They're like Reese's cups, Hmm. but I don't like uh, peanut butter, so they have marshmallow in the middle. I don't like peanut butter either, so I'm on board with that. That sounds awesome.
1: I've never felt so seen uh absolutely for me it was almond joy and mounds as well yes, and my siblings yes. hated them and so they oh. would all give me theirs and my, my my whole family has like texture issues with coconut and i do not i love it and so yeah mm. i they they, oh. they mounded their mounds upon me and i was so pleased <laughs> mm. i preferred mounds just slightly to almond joy because i did like the darker chocolate but the yes. dark chocolate yes yes oh, so nice oh uh, yeah absolutely. mounds bar is perfect Well, folks, um, if you would like to while we all think about our candies, uh, if you'd like to get ad free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a member of Clockwise. You just go to Relay.fm slash Clockwise and sign up for five dollars a month or fifty dollars a year and you help support the show. You help us keep paying that Zoom bill so we can keep bringing you the show. Um, In this week's overtime topic, we discuss our own online presences that we control. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Clockwise. All that's left is to thank our wonderfully spooky guests for joining us this week. (laughs) Lisa Schmeiser, thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you for having me. And thank you for the fantastical education. I can't wait to dig in.
1: And Matthew
0: Bischoff, thank you so much for being here and having a spooky good time with us. Always a pleasure. And Micah, will be back next week when it will be November and the spookiness will be all over. So we'll have to make the ghost of it between now and then. Uh, but we remind everybody listening out there until next time. Watch what you say and
1: keep watching the clock. <laughs> 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 <laughs>